Hello, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast. The podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I'm Samantha Blackman, one of your co-hosts. I'm an associate professor at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I uh, study minority rhetorics and digital humanities. Um, one of my areas of specialty, uh, I suppose, is uh, games, gaming, games and education, whatever you want to call it. And I'm joined tonight by my two co-hosts, Alex Lane and Sarah White. Ladies. Hello, I'm Alex Lane. I am very stressed out with the beginning of the semester, like my co-hosts I know <laughs> are also. Um, I do research in gaming and feminist gaming and things of that nature. And professional writing. I'm going to throw that in there. Excellent. Uh, I am Sarah White, and I teach to the north of these two fine uh, ladies, and I teach in uh, Purdue North Central, which is in the scenic Westville, Indiana. And I teach composition, uh, creative writing, business writing, and really whatever else they'll let me. Uh, and uh, uh, have done some uh, work in video game analysis with a couple publications um, dealing with Silent Hill and Resident Evil. So uh, that's me. So back at you, Samantha. All right, so we'll do the, our normal breakdown and we'll take a couple of minutes and talk about what we've been playing, what we're reading, what we're drinking, um, and then get into the fun stuff. Um, so uh, tonight, let's start with what you've been playing. And I'll start. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy week with the beginning of crazy two weeks, actually. <laughs> Last week was uh, orientation for new GTAs. This week's been... Uh, the first week of classes. So I haven't played a whole heck of a lot, but I have been doing some playing. Um, most of my playing has been on handheld devices. Um, I have been playing on my DS um, Kingdom Hearts Recoded, um, which is pretty fun. It's like the great, it's like the old Kingdom Hearts game with all the Disney characters and um Final Fantasy-ish characters, um, and but it's kind of a, a replay of the of Kingdom Hearts, just going back and doing it again because they get sucked into kind of this um, metaverse of sorts, um, and there's all kinds of glitches that exist, so they have to track down the glitches as well. So it's uh, it's all kind of you know a, a big a big spin on Kingdom Hearts with, you know, code jokes. Um, I've been playing it a little bit, not terribly impressed with it. Luckily, it was something I rented, didn't buy, so I'm going to uh, pretty happily stick that back in the envelope and send it back. It's something that if I had bought it, I could play it in a pinch, um, but I'm not, like, ecstatic about it. Um, I have also been playing... Um, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to admit it, aren't I? Um, way, way, way too much um, of the Sim Social on Facebook, <laughs> and I actually got a new post up about it on the on the blog. Um, mm -hmm. It's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that has been a good game. Um, it's 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 
much like the sims is more quest based than just kind of exploration based and you and it's probably better that it's quest based because of course you're going by the number of energy points you have and once you run out of those energy points you have to wait for them to regenerate wait for someone to send you more or buy more um and it, it was kind of really addicting until i ran into that problem patch of what happens when your friendship levels up to a certain point um, with other Sims. And once you, once you level up to a certain point, you can't just become really good friends, the best of friends, sister-like, brother-like, or what have you. It has to become a romantic relationship. Mm, um, very saucy. Very saucy. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and there's been some interesting stuff. I mean, there's some interesting, some interesting, um, gosh uh interactions and some interesting problems that i found myself facing when playing this game so i won't i don't want to steal my own thunder go to the blog read it it's been pretty interesting um let's see i've been playing on my phone my iphone um because i got pissed off at the sim social because of the issues that i ran into there i've been playing the sims world adventures because i had the sims 3 on my phone and i've uh, been playing that for a while uh but then they offered the sims world adventure for free one day um to folks who own the sims 3 on their phone um so i downloaded that and i've been playing that um how is it really it's, it's not bad it's a, it's a sims phone game um it's kind of like the Sims, it's kind of like the Sims social, to be perfectly honest, in, in that, you know, they're, they're, these are questy based versions of the game. Um, but, you know, they don't have the same, they don't have some of the same problems that the Sims social have. Um, but it's a, it's a battery hog, so that really pisses me off because I can't play for very long before my battery goes dead. Uh, and I guess that's really about all I've been playing. Um, I did play a little, uh, I did play some of, uh, Tiny Bang Story. Is that right? Yes. That's right. How do you, how do you like it? I, I really do like it. Um, I think, yeah, I'm really been digging the Tiny Bang Story. Um, I can see, I can see why Alex like went crazy. Uh, I was going to say, be careful about trash talking it. it. Cause uh, you know, I love it. <laughs> went crazy addicted to it and finished it in like 15 minutes um but i'm i'm not as like crazy crazy about it um i like puzzle games a lot i play a lot of puzzle games but i can do them in bites so it's much better for me so it's kind of something that i can play you know for 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour here and there to unwind i don't have to sit down for hours on end and finish the whole damn thing um, you and i are very different gamers <laughs> well, we, we we are very different game. Well, for different kinds of games. If it had been an adventure game, I might have tried to have finished the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just different kinds of games for me, and that's what I've been playing. What about you guys? Um, fun. Uh, okay, so I've been playing a ton of The Sims Social. Um, mm-hmm. I also spent a week in Florida, so I didn't play anything while I was there. I was true to the um vacation way and did nothing but lay on the beach and drink tequila um yeah it was pretty sweet so let's see so i've been playing the sim social and i played a new indie game that um i'm going to talk about in our later segment um and i sort of had some of the same feelings that sam did with the sim social it is sort of 
weird, like, because there's people I'm friends with on the Sims, you know, on Facebook and on the Sims social that I don't know very well. And so, like, it feels a little awkward to be, like, sending them requests to be my lover and so forth. (laughs) Um, So I think maybe the the devs need to reconsider about the types of relationships that we have on Facebook, how we're not just friends with people who are really close to, but we're friends with people who we don't know very well. Um, Like for example, Sam and my mom are friends so that they can each have more friends because they both play Facebook games. Um, And I'm not woohooing with your mom. I'm sorry. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so that's sort of like an awkward situation. Um, And so like, you can't progress in the game in particular ways, if you don't want to participate in that, like Sam said, there's no super good friends, BFFs. Like it just goes from whatever type of friend to relationship. So, um, it goes from, it goes from BFF to inseparable and they don't warn you up front that inseparable means that you can have sex. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that means. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I've been, um, playing that a lot and then I'll talk about my second game in the indie segment. Sarah? Well, uh, I have been playing my Lego Harry Potter. I'm not too afraid to say that um, because I do enjoy my Lego series. I've played all of them, I think, at this point. The Batman, the Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, um, and now I'm on my Harry Potter, so I, I am kind of Addicted to the Lego games. Not entirely sure why. Um, so I'm playing that still. And every now and then I pop in my Red Dead. And I ride my horse, get lost, get frustrated and take it back out. Um, and uh, I I was playing, because I told you guys before, right? I'm, I'm teaching this vampire course uh, at PNC. And um, my students are so well versed in, oh, I read this series, this series, that series. And I thought, well, you know, let me delve more deeply into the vampire lore, and I will play Dracula Origin. Uh, let me kind of marry my interests, you know, video games and now vampires. And um, I played the demo. I didn't buy it because I thought, well, let me see. You know, I, it's I'm a console girl. I told you before, I'm coming out of the Atari generation, even the pong generation where you plug it into your computer so i'm not quite yet a computer i don't quite feel uh i said tv i guess instead of computer but I- i'm not quite comfortable still on the pc but um because you have to hit certain buttons and i and s and w and all these things mean things so um i was playing through it and of course i was getting stuck in a room because i was supposed to investigate everything and i didn't know what i wasn't doing right you know and i was like oh man um, and I've confided, well, confided into everybody who listens, I guess. Uh, I play video games uh, as a creative writer. I'm always much more fascinated by the narrative. I mean, I will pl- do the gameplay, I'll play through, but I am a narrative person, and that's why I seek games. Uh, and that's why they interest me, I think, so much, because I want to see how they compare to the book, uh, or books, or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. part of what uh, Dracula Origin... I'm like, I'm so into this narrative, but I am so frustrated with the gameplay because I cannot progress it. And I don't know what the hell I have to do to get myself out of this damn room. Um, And that's where I start to cheat and do, you know, walkthroughs. But (laughs) uh, so I I was playing that and I guess 
I uh, have an indie game to talk about in the later segment, but um, I was playing, you know, it it was a beautiful game. I liked the characters. We were doing everything really well, but yeah, I did get very frustrated by my gameplay. Um, So that is what I've been playing, the Harry Potter, uh, the Dracula games, you know, um, and really that's what I've been doing this week. Cool. That sounds fun. It It does sound fun. Um, So next up we have what you've been reading. Um, I had great expectations of what I was going to read. Um, And then life happened and work consumed absolutely everything. But I did pick up a copy of um, Kurt Squire's new book on video games and education, um, which has been it was I've been carrying around in my bag for the last week and a half, hoping to get to read bits of it here and there, but I have not even been able to crack it um, because I've been like super busy. The only thing I've been reading this week is um, stuff for class. I'm teaching uh, an intro to composition and theory graduate seminar. Um, so I read a lot of stuff on the, uh, the history of the English department this week um, <laughs> or reread to teaching class. <laughs> Um, which was really riveting. Oh, good um, times. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and really, that's, you know, I gotta say probably just about it. I don't think I've read very much more than that. I might have read a little bit of um, the, the feed novel the other night um, when I was getting ready for bed, but, I'm, but I fell asleep on it because I've been totally and completely exhausted by the time I fall into bed. Mm way way too late in the evening um so nothing good but hey by next time i plan to have something to say about kurt squire's new book good i'm excited for that that should be interesting um i think so yeah so i've been reading i have a post-humanism class and a gender rhetoric in the body class so i've been reading a lot not necessarily um directly to do with games um i've been reading a lot of like blogs I've been particularly paying attention to blogs about the Sim Social because um, they are super critical. <laughs> and in fact, I don't think I've seen a good one yet. So maybe you guys have, but I, I have not. Um, uh, they, the Sim Social has been mostly criticized for sort of abandoning what makes the Sims the Sims and falling yeah. into the parts of like Zynga games or Zynga games that mm. um, sort of you know, gamers consider manipulative and not really gameplay. For example, like they call it a social game, but it requires basically no social interaction. What it does require is you to get other people to click a button, right? But it's not really social. Um, Right. So there's been those kinds of criticism that I've seen out there. Um, But yeah, I've read a ton of gender stuff, um, some Fausto Sterling, some Butler, some Alcoff. Um, that was pretty interesting. Um, and then, let's see, what did we read for post-humanism? Oh my gosh, I can't remember now. Well, so, you know, well, I don't mean to interrupt you, Alex, but this is something that has come up in even my Facebook discussions. But can, is it possible? Are you at a point, can you articulate what exactly is post-humanism and how does it differ from post-modernism? Can you go there? Or I mean, like, I, I was, one of my friends is, is writing an article and she's like, I don't understand quite what post-humanism is. I mean, what is post-humanism? You know what I mean? Video games seem to be approach that, right? Or am I wrong? 
Is well, that too big? I mean, it's just it's a big question. I understand. Yeah. I'm trying to open up the syllabus here and see what what uh, my syllabus says. So go ahead, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not gonna touch that. That that that's like three. That's like a three hour discussion. Really? Okay. Well, no. That to me, it's very interesting because. Uh, well, you know, post-humanism, and I was like, well, what are we broaching? Like, what's, what are we talking about, robots? I mean, what, what would be post- Well, I think, I think what you have to remember is that all the posts don't mean, like, that we are done with the human. I think it's just right. that, like, it's about, like, considering alternative viewpoints. So post-humanism would probably, I think, fall under the umbrella of postmodernism, like it's sort of a part of postmodernism, but it's focused specifically on moving outside of, like, of like obliterating the division between subject and object, so, like, moving okay. away yep. from the human-centric yep. view. I right. think that would be okay. more posthumanism, whereas postmodernism is more, like, would be maybe more um, focused on systems and cultures and things like that. But oh, I'm, I'm going to be stepping on yeah. a turn because we only had one day of class, so. Well, no, I mean, yeah, but no, posthumanism, right. yeah. Because posthumanism also gets into the notion of the cyborg, but okay. doesn't get into the cyborg as the um, Star Trek, Star Wars um, cyborg, but more in other ways that we are, we are human cyborgs and that, you know, right. That, that our ubiquitous use of technology or specific technologies has made those things a part of us and we are the cyborg because of that. It's not as, it's not as simple or simplistic as saying, you know, we're moving past being human and being into ro being robots, but it That's is right. thinking about how we have moved past what, we, what has commonly been considered being human and are moving into something else not because we are integrating specifically technologies into our flesh, okay. but because they are becoming a part of our, our, our everyday beings in okay. this kind of ubiquitous way. Well, and that, and that is what I think is where I was edging, where it is sort of, it is about the merge of, 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 of technology and human. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, cyborg, well, that, that is still organic. But I think there's a really important part of posthumanism uh, like a huge part of this technological no doubt but I also think that there's a really big part that's trying to fuse the human with nature because there's a big yeah. chunk of posthumanism okay. that focuses on insects okay. and things like that oh okay um, yeah. so yeah I would say anything that complicates the human uh, would, would maybe fall into the category but doesn't necessarily have to be technological Okay. Well, no, but I think that's interesting. You know, but just because it's an it's a it's a term that's around more these days, posthuman. Right. And 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 I'm trying to you know I haven't been in grad school for a few years, so I'm trying to wrap my head around. It. And and I was like, oh, well, what exactly are we interrogating when we talk about posthuman? And um, no, I think that does sort of situate it for me a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, all these kind of post terms are tough. Yeah. Uh, I think because especially like postmodernism, post humanism because sort of their point is that you can't define things and as soon as you define something it's over it's yeah, yeah it's sort of over you know you call different things into being so it's never what you name it so like right, right. defining postmodernism is sort of like a fruitless task right because postmodernism well, would say that as soon as you define it it's not what we're it right was. And, and, and what i've always said to go along with that notion is to define is to confine the minute sure. you put a definition you have shut down all other you know possibilities Right. 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 So, right. Which doesn't mean that, that definition certainly 
and maybe I'm a bad postmodernist, but it certainly definition isn't fruitless. Like there's reason for it and it <laughs> is productive, right? And maybe this is Sam and I were talking about this before you got on, Sarah. Okay. It's just like I, sometimes I feel so trapped in like this spinning discourse where like it's discourse all the way down. And uh, right, right. It, it gets a little frustrating, I think. But that's why the gender rhetoric and the body class is a nice um, counterweight to that, because that's really focused on materiality and bringing the body back and getting away from the notion that everything is discursively constructed. So, Well, I think yeah. it's interesting. And of course, I mean, you probably uh, have it with the professor that I'm familiar with. I even have a book called um, Pain in the Body or something along those lines. But um, um, yeah. How the how the physicality fits even into the theoretical notion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was kind of I can't remember what I was going to say exactly, but I was thinking along those lines of uh, oh, as a creative writer, postmodern for us, it was from a craft aspect, and it meant that you were not going to write something in a linear fashion. Oh, interesting. Right, and so what I I guess as a as a craft practitioner, as a practitioner, when I hear postmodern, I'm thinking, what does that mean for me in terms of the narrative? Okay, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's that might be maybe not always applicable question, but um, certainly would be interesting way a way to interesting way to see things that wouldn't normally be looked at as narrative. Yeah, like, perhaps yeah. maybe like the narrative of the human. Anyway, so that's totally yeah. sidetracked and probably boring all it the is. gamers. So uh, <laughs> what are you reading, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm completely fascinated by post posthumanism and how it fits into craft. Um, Mm. But in the meanwhile, no, I, I read an interesting article, and maybe this is post-human. That's where I'm trying to situate myself, even. Uh, I read an interesting article uh, in the news that really captured my attention, and it was called, and I'm delaying because I'm trying to bring it back up. Uh, it was called, um, it was from Psychology, uh, We Play Video Games to Chase Our Ideal Self. And... Um, you know, any kind of articles uh, I've published in relationship to video games have always dealt with psychoanalytic theory, always kind of how we are psychically engaging with these games and what they're what they're doing for us or to us. And I th- was really interested in um, this idea, and, and not just that one, but the, another article was mentioning how um, death in video games has a certain sort of drive for us. And and right now and in the video game class, I am reading, uh, rereading uh, Sigmund Freud and Civilization and Discontents. And um, yeah. so we are, you know, addressing, I know, yeah, he's, he's got his issues, but we were talking about the oceanic feeling and the death drive and the pleasure principle. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to ignore how those particular aspects do fit into video gaming. And, and then the idea of of dying in games. They were saying in this article that I read, oh, how video game deaths help us live is what it's called. And it was on Kotaku, right? Is that how I pronounce it? Okay. Um, yeah. And they, and they were uh, talking about this sort of this adrenaline and it gets you this high almost. And games these days will give us more of an out than they used to. I mean, when we played uh, River Raid and Pac-Man, we knew there was, oh my God, this is my last life and I have to make it count. Um, more of a rush than what we have now. But, um, I thought it was really interesting death and the life and the gaming. And because the certainly sort of... with games like WoW, um, mm-hmm. once you die, you just come, sort of like respawn, right? Like you don't lose anything. There's no penalty for it except like a little bit of a pain. Um, and then it was interesting, like Sims 3, when you, you had your character and it died. And like you could get around it a little bit by like tr- being a gardener and growing like a 
fruit of life or something like that. But um, mostly, like, your sim grew old and died. So if you wanted to keep the family going, you needed to have some babies, right? But in, the, in a recent right. update, they changed that now. And you can go in and modify what age your sim is, what age it stays, how long each life cycle is going to be, like, all of that stuff so that you don't have to die. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I can only imagine that was a response to people complaining that they didn't like their sim dying. So... Right, yeah, and I and I think the whole notion of rebirth and death in gaming has always been fascinating, especially on a psychic level, you know. And so, um, yeah, this this article I thought was pretty interesting. So that's what I've been reading uh, primarily. So that sounds fun. I also like the question that you brought up of like, is gaming when we create characters and stuff is that our ideal selves? Because I don't, yeah. I, I think that's maybe sometimes. Sometimes. But certainly I, like, create the exact opposite. Sometimes I try to create the most close to me, you know? Right. So I well, think that's interesting. I, yeah, and I think it has to be a game, uh, to go along with that, I think it has to be a game where you have some autonomy over how you construct the self. Because, like, mm -hmm. if I play Red Dead Redemption, I have no choice. It's not, he's not my ideal self. Yeah, he's not a tabula rasa. Right, but, I, yeah, right. But, but he may do things that I wish I could do in life, you know? So, I don't know. It's, it's very fascinating to me, that whole dynamic. Right. So. Anyway. Sam? Samantha? Fine. Thank you. So, <laughs> I'm listening. It's like, I'm listening. I'm like, wow. All right. So, um, I think what we can do now is jump to the, oh, I almost forgot. Wine. What you drink? <laughs> wine. A big old box of $5 a gallon red wine. Oh, Some Alex. Merlot. A box of Merlot? It's actually, it comes in a giant jug. <laughs> that is class. Oh, Merlot. It's my Merlot. My, uh, my significant oh my other is out of town, so that means that I drink a bottle of wine and rip up the house. Party at your house? No shit. We should have had recorded down no, there. No, this is Alex Lane time. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I remember I did, I did that once, and I was, like, playing... Um, wow all night and I like finished this box of wine and I like woke up and like the bag of the box was in one room and the box was in another <laughs> and I was like oh my god that's the best you doing like sucking on the bag I, I, I must have been I must have been who knows that's really sad Alex so sorry wine is my answer I went out of turn Sam awesome. oh, I, I'm, I'm obvious at this point <laughs> sneaky firefly <laughs> yeah I am obvious at this point. And I was out, and it even to make it even worse, I was out of um, light lemonade at home, and I didn't feel like stopping at the grocery store again because I had been to one grocery store and they didn't have it. So I stopped at McDonald's and bought a light lemonade. <laughs> um, that is so awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> know what to say. That is the number one reason why you are you awesome. <laughs> That I can't even top that shit. Yeah, at all. I'm gonna guess what you're drinking, Sarah. You have lemonade and vodka. I don't. I have some barefoot Chardonnay, and oh. that shit will rock you on your ass, dude. I like barefoot a lot, but you know mm. what? There, the, there's a better barefoot than Chardonnay. Um, really? Yeah, I, no I used green. to drink it all the time. Shoot, 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 shoot. I can't they remember. Get... It's not like a typical one. But no, it used to be like our thing to drink and then write poetry, so that should be up your alley. Yes. I didn't write, I just sort of participated. No, but they'd win awards constantly. I mean, Barefoot's really cheap. That's I like mean, a dollar. 
Yeah, well, more than that. I mean, it's probably five, but here anyway. You guys maybe have it for a dollar. Um, up here, the cheapest you can find is five. But, um, yeah, they win all kinds of awards. And if you just have, like, half a bottle of uh, the Barefoot, you know it. You know? like Oh, yeah. You get oh, bang yeah. for your buck with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I spent a lot of my uh, my undergrad with, with, a, with a little Barefoot. There you go. We're not gonna talk Sarah to two fifty drunks and she's drinking half a bottle. <laughs> no kidding. Two fifty drunk. drunk. Done. Come on. Can we name you our know. podcast that? This week. <laughs> That's the title. Two fifty drunk. The two fifty drunk. <laughs> shall we? Shall we move on? All right. Yes. Yeah, of course we shall. Um, let's go ahead and jump to our um well let's uh how about some news? Because I had, I, I think there's some, some interesting things in the news this I week. I forgot to look up news. That's all you, Sam. Oh, I looked at news, uh, Alex. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's okay. Yes, well, I, we can handle it. I just forgot. I think, um, I think the most interesting news story of the week, um, well, there have been several news stories of the week that have been pretty interesting of the, uh, well, since our last podcast, right? One has been the, the $50 price drop in the PS3. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, true. That's that it was exciting, and sort really of I think um, expected, right? Since all all the problems with all the problems, yeah, well, of course. You know they they've got to do something to garner goodwill in the gaming community, right? Yep. Um, which kind of sucks because it's not garnering any goodwill with me because I already got one. In fact, I had just bought <laughs> one before too. the damn thing went out. Me too. Um, I bought a new one before the before it went out. Um, so that's one thing. Two has been. Not game related. Well, kind of game related. If you play a lot of iOS games, Steve Jobs announced yes. his retirement as CEO yesterday. Yes, yes. That's sort so of a monumental. That is. That's that big. is. That's like the end of an age. That's right. It does. It feels like that. It does feel very much like that. Um, so that that's been an interesting thing, and of course the the stocks took a little hit today. If you they have did. any money in the stock market, and specifically in tech stocks. Mm. Um. And I think one of the pissed off of the moment, pissed off moment of the week um, things is what GameStop did with Deus Ex came out this week. I saw that Deus they were Deus Ex for the PC came with a coupon for a free online uh, on live version of the game as well. So you can play on PC or you can play on your on live console. Um, or just play, um, just stream it instead of instead of uh, instead of putting the, the disc in through the online service. Mm-hmm. GameStop had all its employees open up the new copies of the PC game mm-hmm. and take the online coupon out. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I saw that. Yeah. They are starting their own cloud-based service, and they said it was a com- it was a competitor. And that shit came out yesterday, and it was all over the internet. They were being blasted to high heaven. So they immediately, actually, I think it was the day before yesterday, because the email that they the second email that they sent, I think when I saw it online, was dated the twenty fourth. The second email they sent, they said, "Fine, fuck them all, take them off the shelves. Mm-hmm. We're not selling it at all." Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, isn't that crazy, Tom? Yeah. Oh my God. Goodbye, yep. GameStop. Kind of. Such, uh, so, such fucked up practices. It's like crazy. And I keep saying to myself, you know, I just can't go back to GameStop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty awful. That's, that's are, like overtly awful. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there have been all kinds of like, you know, accusations that people have made against GameStop in the past. You know, not only that they're doing shit like this, but I don't know if you ever noticed that a lot of times that when you buy a game, even if it's quote unquote new, it's already open when you buy it at GameStop. Some people say that they're selling old games, used games as new games, um, and trying to pawn, you know, trying to pawn off their used games as new. And even though, and I see, I never buy used games from GameStop for the simple fact that they're just not worth it to me because they don't, they're not, they're not saving me enough money. They're not saving me enough money for me to, to say to myself, I'm going to buy this game used and not give money to the game publishers and developers. Mm-hmm. Right? Because usually yeah. they're only like two or three bucks cheaper. And a lot of times the shit at GameStop is like still full price when you can go to like Target or Best Buy or go on and go online and buy it. And it's like 10 or 20 bucks cheaper. So I'm real wary of buying games at GameStop. Mm. I definitely am too. Now. I am now too, yeah. So those were the couple things that I had. I can't believe they have the audacity to do that, especially to tell all their employees like it's not going to come out. What were they thinking? They Uh, sent it in an email, so, you know, people had proof, right? Oh my god! And of course it showed up all over the internet. Yeah, you Uh, can't do that and not have people know. Right. Not these days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I have no news. Sarah? Oh, oh well, the only news that I had really encountered, like I said, um, uh, was the idea about how video games uh, cause us to chase our ideal selves, uh, that the, the deaths help us uh, in our, our living. And then there was a, a repeated article that I saw several times about how Ben Affleck is hoping to move into the gaming realm, and he wants to create a movie that gives you the effect of a first-person shooter. Um, right. Yeah, and I, I saw thought, that. Yeah, and I was like, uh, "You're gonna make a snake take Dramamine, you know?" Because I I can't really do first person shooters, and so I was curious about his idea with that. Um, kind of along the same lines, a few weeks ago I saw um, an article uh, about um, I think it's the, the I can't tell you the actor at this point now, but he was saying he he could see in the future something that would offer a TV gaming hybrid he was seeing this sort of how we would start to blend certain genres um which i mean i guess i i don't i don't know i think we're already seeing some of that with games like heavy rain that we've been taught we've talked really about do you, do you think or la noir i guess well yeah i mean think about like yeah like a uh, heavy rain you would press two buttons and then watch 10 minutes of movie you know oh, okay <laughs> i mean there yeah. was basically zero gameplay in that you know oh really that's PS3, well, that's they, though, right? A lot of people say they're 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 more. Um, it was more a coordinated quick time event than it was a game. That, that's exactly right. So I think that perhaps TV as we know it won't change um, mm. as much, but I think video games might start adapting to the hybrids because I can't see like sitcoms becoming video games, but I think that a new yeah. genre will emerge, right? Maybe a noir type of things yeah maybe i mean that and that's what this actor i think it's the guy from chuck if i can uh, say specifically but it was this idea that yeah there would be so become this hybrid kind of uh experience that viewers could have you know and to go along with that this is sort of tangential maybe but I, i you know 3d with the glasses we've talked in depth about 3d i went to the shed aquarium uh last week 
And they were offering a movie in 4D. Right. And what is 4D? You guys know? What, they spray water on you? And yeah, you know? that's what. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it's like this giant really? killer whale. Yes, no. Yeah. There's this giant killer whale who comes out of the water, and we get this crazy puff of air by our neck. So we're all jumping, right? But we do have the 3D glasses still on. And then the shark splashed into the water. We get water pushed on us, you know? And then the same thing happened later with an elephant. So it's this sort of interactivity. That is super fun. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it was hilarious. It lasted 15 minutes. It was really short. But uh, And then, um, God, what's the movie? I think it's uh, Spy Kids or Dora the Explorer. There's a movie in theaters right now that what they give you is a scratch and sniff card. They're calling it 4D again. And you go along with the film and smell the smells as I guess you are prompted. I have no idea. So I guess, I mean, you, I mean, a case could be that's made. Really interesting. I don't think that's entirely new. I remember when I was a kid going to like the Mall of America and they had these rides that you would sit in chairs and the chairs would, or you would watch a movie screen and you'd like be a fighter pilot and your chair would move. Right? So that would be like, right. and it was yeah. 3D. So I don't think that's totally new. They're just calling it 4D now, though, Alex. Right. They have a name yeah. for it. And they so, have a name for it. And it's going, and it's like not a ride, it's a movie in the movie and, theater. You know, and you could maybe make the case that games have pushed them to that point. I mean, we have the controller, yeah. we can feel it vibrate. You know, it offers us a more interact, uh, interactive experience than, than passively sitting for movies and I wonder, like, though, how much how much interactivity is going to be too much at some point. Like, well, yeah, cause, exactly. some, cause oh, I always yeah. find myself going back and being like, you know, screw it. I'm going to play Tetris because like, there's only so much stimulation you can take. <laughs> well, what are they going to do? Like 5d and they're going to like literally make you go run in a well, battlefield or something. Well, well, and that's what I asked. 60. Right. You're going to die. Yeah, no, that's what I posted that, uh, an article and I'm like 40, what is 5d and 60? You know, like, yeah, what is the level of you know, you're having a virtual reality experience? I mean, if you marry the connect with all this other stuff, perhaps. I mean, yeah, and I think it's fun, and I think we should explore it and do it. And I'm super glad for the innovation because I love the connect, as we know by my awesome dancing skills. Um, <laughs> but uh, where does this <laughs> Sam's giggling because she has seen my awesome dancing skills? Um, <laughs> but I'm just I'm sort of like maybe I'm old, but I'm sort of like overwhelmed. Like you're getting there. Where yeah. is this? I know, I'm getting there. You're well, getting curmudgeonly. Where yeah, is this yeah. ever going to end? I know. I guess I'm just kids. sort of excited to see where it goes next and what's the new thing, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah what is the new thing? I mean, because we've had, like, Nintendo come out and talk about these biofeedback systems. So are we going to have some kind of interesting biofeedback integration that is going to be five, you know, the fifth dimension for us? Or something that will kind of, you know, give you a little jolt and cause your heart to speed up when you had, when you, when you're supposed to get an adrenaline rush or, or you know, something interesting like that. Um, or some yeah. And at what point, or <laughs> give you a little shot of mess. Um, at, oh my God. And the great question is at, at what point does it, you know, does it cross that line? I mean, at what point does it just question. become real life? Like, okay, you can play this new game. Go live your life. Right. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Yeah. Well, good news. I'm sorry I let everybody down. Yeah, you're a loser. Well, most of the time, I find, like, 60 news pieces, and we don't get to any of them, so I'm not going to feel too bad. 
All right, let's jump um, and talk quickly about our indie games of the week. What do we got? Indie games. My indie game of the week is called, I talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, which I listened to. Um, (laughs) My game is called The Clockwork Man. Um, I bought it, and it is a uh, hidden object game, primarily. And it's a little too hidden object-y for me. Um, I'm not very good, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm not very good at those types of games. Um, and I was hoping that it was going to be more, because they showed some puzzles in the in the previews, I was hoping that it was going to be more puzzle-based than hidden object-based. So, for example, like, at some points you have to find an object and then... So, like, you need to get this um, note from a drawer. So you have to find a crowbar. But the crowbar is tangled up in a net, so you have to find a scissors. Right, like so, like that part I find super fun and entertaining. It's sort of like Tiny Bang, like you have to find these objects to do this, not just this room's a mess. Help me clean up. Okay, well that's stupid, right? So, um, so there's little moments of the game that I find totally fun and engaging and brilliant, and it's those moments when you actually do things and like the narrative sort of makes sense. Um, but so far, um, it's primarily just. I need help cleaning up this room. Find these six objects to help me clean up. You know, so it's sort of, um, at the beginning, it's sort of lame like that. But as you progress on, it's really interesting because you have this female character. I forget her name. Miss Calamity or something. I don't remember. So you have this female character. She's a young woman, blonde hair, um, and she wants to be an engineer. So, and she's like an inventor. So she, you're, like, finding objects for her to, like, do crazy inventions. And then she's on this, I think it's, like, a ship or a train. And it breaks down, and the engineer is trapped. And he's like, I need you to fix the train. And she's like, but I'm not trained. I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's like, you're super smart. You can do it. And she's like, yeah. And it's like... So it's really interesting, this character that they sort of created, that they chose to be the protagonist, this young woman engineer. So I'm sort of having fun with, like, that. I, I find that sort of engaging, mostly because it steps away from, like, the boring, typical things you see in in hidden object games or just games in general. Um, yeah. So that's what I've... I made. I got some video captures of it, so when Sam and I make that video, I'll, huh. uh, I'll throw that in there. Awesome. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We need to get that done. I know. Alrighty. What about you, Sarah? You said you've been playing an indie game this week. Well, yeah, you guys told me it was an indie game. Uh, <laughs> you can't talk. Uh, I, I played, like I said, Dracula Origins. And then I was like, well, let me see what else. You know, because I, I recently joined Steam. Like I said, I am the casual gamer that, that's slowly becoming uh, uh, more and more ensconced. So I played, uh, I went to Steam, I set up an account. And I played Space Pirates and Zombies. And um, as I said earlier in the broadcast, I'm not a a PC person. So it's very awkward for me. And I I really wish I could play these on my console. Because that's how I came of age. But um, in the meanwhile, I'm doing the best I can. And and it was quite fun. I was in space. And I'm trying to collect these certain elements that will help my spaceship. And... I hadn't quite gotten to the zombies yet, but I was uh, trying to help uh, pick up parts, pick up things. And it reminded me, actually, uh, in many ways, which is interesting, of asteroids. And 
the gameplay itself was not much different. If I wanted to go forward, I hit a certain key, you know, stay put. But it was very much like Asteroids, which, well, that's like a, that's a classic. So um, it's just the narrative was different on top of it. And people would pop up and ask me questions. So Space Pirates and Zombies, I played the demo. I did not buy it. I would, mm, I don't know. It was okay for me. If I were giving a review, it depends on what kind of game is your, you know, bag. But uh, I didn't think it was so innovative that I had to buy it. It was fun to kind of play through. Maybe if I, if I you know, I play it again, see if I can't get to the zombies or however far my demo will take me. But um, interesting nonetheless, but uh, familiar territory is, I guess, what I would say. Samantha? Um, well, I guess, like I said, my indie game that I played this week would be... Uh... Tiny Bang Story. Um, Yay. Which <laughs> <laughs> I want to know on the other end as, a, as I already <laughs> talked about to a great extent. Um, I take no and, offense and to I, that. I know. <laughs> I said all kinds of great things about the game and I think to the, for the most part she's absolutely right. It's a great puzzle based game. Um, it makes you think the puzzles are not like crazy obscure too difficult to ever think about solving without cheating sometimes they're um, a pain in the ass but you know how you're supposed to be solving it right you know you know how you're you know what it's going to take to solve it you just have to find you just have to find what it is that you need right. to solve it right i mean which which for me is you know a good game because a good game a good puzzle because you can figure it out logically and then go in and solve the puzzle based on what you have available to you in game. Um, which, like, like Alex said, yeah, sometimes that's a little frustrating. And there have been a couple of times I was like, you know what? I'm done playing this for now. Yeah. And I would turn and come back to it and play again. Um, when you know when I had when I had given the game a proper timeout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely say it's a fun game. And then once you complete those levels, then you have to go in and start rebuilding the world. So there's another puzzle as you as you literally put the puzzle that is the planet back together. Um, so there's some fun stuff. There's definitely some fun stuff. And the, like the little puzzle, the little puzzle base, the puzzle, the puzzle pieces in between were a little, were pretty much a pain in the ass to me because. <laughs> Pictures on the pieces didn't always match up with what the picture because it moved, the, right? Because they move, right? The, and it's it's a dynamic puzzle, right. so right. things are swaying and shifting and rotating a little bit. So you're never quite sure of where it's supposed to fit because the piece looks different from second to second. Um, when I say it's a pain in the ass, it's not a pain in the ass because it doesn't make sense or it was a boring puzzle or a stupid puzzle, but because it was really damn difficult. It was really hard. Yeah, I like I like that game a lot. So, yeah, I'm glad you're playing it. Um, can I talk about my worst gaming moment of the week before we move on to our issue? Yes. Worst okay. gaming moment of the week when Sam Blackman figured out that you can look up how many hours people have played on certain games on Steam. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I'm never going to hear the end of this. I put business out too because I looked and saw that Alex Lane has spent 111 hours, like 111.6 hours. And this was as of last, as of this week or earlier this week. So it's probably gone up since then playing Civ 5. Uh-oh. 
Wow. Yeah. Addiction. That now I'm getting razzed about it all over school, so that's my worst gaming moment of the week. <laughs> Addiction. <laughs> I fully admit. <laughs> issue, issue. No issue. Okay, okay. We're here. We're here. <laughs> Our issue of the week. Um. Well. In a nutshell, the way, the way that we talked about uh, what our topic of the week was going to be was to be, to, and, and we'll make Alex explain it because um, she has a good way of explaining it, is to look at how some of our favorite um, popular kind of commercial off-the-shelf games have served uh, as cultural moments, mm -hmm. right? Um, and one of the examples that, that Alex is, that Alex used in um, in our in our show notes was what did Laura Clark Croft signify? God, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> what did Laura Croft signify in 1997, and what does she signify now? Yeah. Which I think was a great point because you know when we when we think about it, I'm you not thought that was a great it. point. You razzed me the whole time for writing that. You told me to yeah, shut up while I was writing it. You're like, yeah. Laura Croft, shut up. Why? Alex, shut up. Just... <laughs> anyway, you were making a point, Sam. But it was. I mean, it's a great point because if we think about I'm not going to steal Alex's thunder, but I mean, mm -hmm. to, to, talk, to think about, you know, how we reacted to Laura Croft, adventure hero, female adventure hero in 1997, and now we look at Laura Croft, boobalicious, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of throwing that out there. But yeah, Alex, so what were your what were your games that you chose? Um the game the uh, Laura Croft was one of the protagonists that I chose to look at. Um I've sort of had like this love hate infatuation with Laura Croft since um I was let's see, nineteen ninety well the game came out in ninety six, but it sort of made its splash in ninety seven, I think, so I call it ninety seven. So I was like young. And um it was the first time that it wasn't like a Mortal Kombat or a Need for Speed or something or a Mario Brothers. Um, it, I almost felt like it was like a game for me, right? Um, and now in hindsight, looking back on it, like when I look at posters and stuff of Laura Croft now, I'm like, that's just... Someone's like, I hope you're not unzipping your pants. I just heard. No, I'm sorry. It's my computer sliding. <laughs> okay, it's fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. My apologies. Like I realize we're kind of talking about. No, sexy I stuff, just left but... it go. No, no, no zipping on the pants. Okay, so um, anyway, so um, she she sort of was really important to me, and it meant a lot to me in 1997 that there was a female character, and I didn't see her as a sex symbol. I saw her as, um, which the developer in an interview that I read talked about is he tried to make a strong woman and they based um her off of uh some i think it, an english pop pop singer something like that who's a totally normal looking person and um and taint girl sort of like a mix between the two um but now when i look back and i see her with her 300 percent larger than normal boobs and her <laughs> waist that is smaller than my wine glass i'm like i'm like wow that was a, an icon for me and so i what I did is um, just did some research about, like, like Laura Croft is the, in Guinness Book of World Records, for the most um, recognizable video game character of all time. Wow. Which I, I think is pretty remarkable. And um, Yeah, I think so. Above Pac-Man and all the rest. Above Pac-Man, above everybody. Laura Croft is okay. number one most recognizable. Okay. Wow. And, um, and I think that she and the, uh, 
the devs, and there, I even found a, found a couple um, articles on, um, oh, click, on uh, IGN about how in the past, you know, five or six years, Lara Croft has gone from being like this really interesting protagonist to a, um, I believe the quote was virtual bimbo or something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but. Um, okay, yeah. And, and now she sort of represents what we would typically um, not want to see in video games, right? Like an over-sexualized character. Um, but in, 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 so, so anyway, so that's the impetus for this, uh, this segment is the games don't have a stable meaning throughout time, right? That they change what it means for us culturally. So I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that before I talk about my next game. I defer to Samantha. No, I mean, now. I think. Yeah. Well, I think I agree to you. I mean, I mean, agree to you. Agree with you. I mean, and that's kind of where where I started. I mean, if we think about it. We were so excited back, um, like in ninety six, ninety seven, when Laura Croft was, you know, first out and big. It's like, wow, for the first time, mm-hmm. we had a female um, adventure game protagonist, right? A woman who could, you know kill jaguars and fight off the bad guys and, and you know, swing from, you know, from cliff to cliff. And she wasn't and magic, right? Like, she was well, just a strong was, no, woman. She was, right, she's she Indiana was, Jones, she's female Indiana right. Jones. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and and it, was, it was a first, right? So it was kind of empowering. And now, when we look at her, you know, 14 years later, it's like, really, could they have, you know... Could they have made her boobs and her ass any bigger? Possibly. <laughs> I read um, an article that said that making the boobs the size that they did was an accident. I don't know if I buy that. Like, apparently, mm. they meant to say an increase of like fifteen percent, and they accidentally typed one hundred and fifty percent. I don't know about that. So anyway, I don't know if that's true or not. Sorry. <laughs> that seems weak. They, they, don't tell me they don't didn't know what they were up to when they made. I mean, she's like a Barbie. She's a virtual Barbie. Oh, absolutely. Um, so no, I mean, I think, I think you're spot on. That's what, and then I did, even though I told you to shut up and, uh, I thought it was a great point from the very beginning. Just throwing that out there. That's okay. You can, you have to like tear me down in order to build me back up. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) the second game that I looked at is Seamus Aran, who I think is a really fascinating character to look at, like over the timeline of perspective, like perspective, because she came out in 1986, right? But she wasn't, she was well, except for, like, the bikini shot, was not feminized at all because she wasn't supposed to be a woman. Like, they decided it partway through um, that she was going to be a woman. And so she was in this suit and had no gender markers. And I think people just sort of assumed it it was a guy. And then when it gets to the end, and it was a girl, and they're sort of, like, interested. Um, But since then, Seamus has... uh, I think it's been sort of like maybe like a bell curve. Like she got super sexualized for a while in the different Metroid um, yeah. games. And now the the pictures that I see of her um, still have the like a really small waist, but like the arms and the legs and stuff with the armor are super strong and they're always in like really powerful stances. So I think that we might be coming like back to the original, she- she- like more to the original Seamus. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Is it yeah. Seamus yeah. or Seamus? No, Am I saying it right? Seamus. Well, some people say Seamus. Some people say Seamus. I feel weird saying Seamus. I, I like Samus. Well, yeah, I think Seamus and it's, it's kind of legitimate spelling has an E. So, Samus. Okay, so Samus. Sorry about that. So, um, 
she, I think that she really, uh, like the arc of, of the different characters, um, really represent like, okay, so it was sort of a novelty to have a woman in 86. So it didn't matter if she was feminized or not. It was just really exciting to have a woman. And then as you get into the late nineties and early two thousands, um, the female video game protagonists start becoming super sexualized, right? Like you can't have a female protagonist that's just strong. Um, they have to be like, like as if a bra works for armor, right? Um, <laughs> and like 500% boobs and all that. And, and now sort of back to, back to like when people are now getting frustrated with that. And as we will see in the questions later, I really think that there's a general movement from gamers away from, the hyper masculine and hyper sexualized woman, hyper masculine man, obviously. Uh, mm. but, and so I wonder if like that's sort of indicative of, of people being sick of that trope. I don't know. That's a good question. We've reached maybe the limits of that stretching of the human body. We're just done mm -hmm. perhaps. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> hmm. My throat hurts for talking so much. You know, I, I think I think one of the things about Samus for me was the fact that it wasn't revealed that she was a woman until the end of the game, mm -hmm. right? Which always makes me wonder how well received the game itself would have been if they had started out from the beginning, like showing her unarmored putting on armor rather than showing her at the end taking off her armor uh, yeah mm -hmm. i've heard um i've heard that mm -hmm. that uh, not heard but i've read in a few articles that the reason why metroid did so well was because of the shock at the end that samus was a woman but and i've also heard that if she had been uh, a woman from the beginning that people wouldn't have men wouldn't have been as invested in her character because they wouldn't have identified with her. But they identified with her and it turns out to be a woman, so that's sort of like a like a more emotional thing, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that has any truth to it, but I don't know, it's interesting how they've used that kind of I mean, you, you will see literary works that do the same thing. So it's interesting that video that a video game can also kind of uh, evoke that emotion without quite revealing identity. Or gender. I mean, I guess gender is the biggest part, but yeah. Interesting. Yes. I'll go for that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what my games were. <laughs> and uh, it was hard because, I mean, I could have chose like any of five million different games, but I tried to choose two of my favorite like all-time games. I really wanted to do the Mortal Kombat with women, but oh. I felt like oh, we should yeah. do the go-tos maybe <laughs> some other week. Yeah. yeah, we'll do the go-to. We can do the go-to-ish ones. But I actually chose two PC games. Mm. See? I like it. They're a little something different in I'm tapping my head right now. Interesting. I chose two PC games. Um, and I chose um, The Longest Journey and mm. April Ryan. Um, and, uh, and The Longest Journey uh, is the the game that um where the the name border house from the book from the border house blog actually comes right. from because she lives in a in a in a boarding house called the border house because it's on the border of of the two worlds that are between science and magic mm. 
Um, and April Ryan is this this young girl who is coming into adulthood, into womanhood, right? And it is and it's very interesting the way it gets played up because she is she is a teenage girl who is who is becoming a woman, and it is that it is this 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 stage of 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 transition of transformation right, of that makes her yeah. that makes her able to navigate both the worlds of science and the worlds of magic. She is this kind of this magical being that can traverse both worlds, but she needed to be at this point of coming into womanhood, um, neither a child nor fully, neither fully child nor fully adult in order to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think is absolutely fascinating Um, because, you know, it, it says something about, you know, both, um, her being a, a budding woman, right, and her being this magical being, um, and and I think it's absolutely fascinating for a number of reasons because for for this game I'm not looking only at April Ryan and how she is this being that can that can move between spaces, but also this was like one of the first games that I had ever seen that portrayed same sex relationships in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Um, because the couple that owned the boarding house, border house, um, are, are lesbians of a certain age, actually. Um, and in the, the narrative of the game, April can actually sit down, um, and talk to one of the owners about not only the border house, but also how the border house came to be, um, about her relationship what the hell was what that? What was that? A kazoo? Does someone have a kazoo? <laughs> it sounded like a duck quack. It's my kazoo. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> okay. My cat. I liked the train you were on, Sam. Keep going. No, sorry. Yeah. Ignore I the kazoo. I'm interrupt you, please. <laughs> I'm like totally thrown for a loop down. <laughs> sorry. It was my fault. Oh. Uh, but they could talk to them about, uh, talk to her about their relationship, how they met. Um, and there was just there's lots of kind of positive dialogue about love and romance in a same sex relationship. Um, and then there are there's it's really diverse. There are lots of kind of um, there are lots of characters, um, non playable characters, of course, in the game because the only character you can play is April, um, who are of very from various ethnic backgrounds who can be love interests or great friends. Um, so there's lots of diversity that goes on in, as well. So there's lots of interesting kind of borders being crossed, which I think is also an interesting reason that the border house, the the name border house um, is there and, and that the border house itself exists. Um, one of the best games, I have to say, one of the best, if not the best, and it's a beautiful game as well, I've heard nothing um, but good things about that game. And even like t- looking at the way the border house sort of operates in that mentality, in that spirit yeah. of the game mm-hmm. is really remarkable. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I highly recommend it. You can, um, you can actually buy it. You can actually buy it, do a digital download of it, but only for PC Boom. Um, on good old games. And I, I got a, I already owned a copy on disc and still, in fact, I think I have, two copies maybe uh, on disc um, but I now own a digital copy as well um, so that I don't have to put discs in and change discs and so on and so forth 
Um, so that was my my top one I would choose. I like that um, a lot. See? Um, and the other that I would choose um, would be one of my other favorite games that I still go back and play from time to time. Usually I'll go back and play right around Halloween every year. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to play this year because I keep sitting can't seem to find one of the discs and I'm really hoping they re-release it um and I looked on like eBay to see if I could find a copy and it's selling for like 150 bucks mm-hmm. is um Grim Fandango hmm. which is an old LucasArts game it's a point and click adventure game where you play as a Manny Calavera um and uh Calavera in Spanish is Skull um who's dead <laughs> and he works in the underworld, and his job is to um, help the newly dead folks navigate their way from the world of the living to their um, afterworld um, reward, so to speak. And then based on, and I, I think I've talked about this game before, based on how, how good or bad of a person you were in life, um, that determines what your mode of transportation will be. <clears throat> so, um, but what it turns out is that the travel agency he works for has a, has a kind of corrupt boss who's stealing all the really good people's um, train tickets and giving them walking sticks. Um, so, hmm. Cause they're supposed to get a special kind of luxury train ride straight to the end and straight to the afterlife. And instead they're having to walk for like a hundred years to get where they're going because he's stealing their train tickets and, and and selling them to the highest bidder to all these corrupt like mobster type folks. And um the the second character in the, in this that I'm really interested in is um Mitchie Colomar, who is the who becomes Manny's kind of love interest and she is like the perfect um would be nun um school marmy um, philanthropist who dies and has a ticket on the number nine straight to the uh, straight to the straight to the afterlife, but then it disappears. And this is and this because you know even though Manny has been questioning um, the the kind of modes of transportation of other people before because he sees the ultimate good in Mechi, um actually starts to question and investigate what's going on, which is really interesting uh, because for a number of reasons, but I think one of the most most interesting reasons that I kind of bring this up as a cultural moment is that this is one of the only times that we see um, an ethnic custom or an ethnic holiday being portrayed in a positive light because all of this takes place around the Mexican Day of the Dead. So there's lots of, you know, Day of the Dead celebrations going on and, you know, an attempt to get people to understand what the Day of the Dead actually is. It's not this scary Halloween, you know, boo-hoo-hoo, scary, scary skull people, but more of a celebration of those who have passed on who should be celebrated. Um, and I think that that was probably one of the first games that attempted to do that. And I'd say for the most part, one of the last because, I mean, if we look at at all of the games that have taken place in Mexico or around Mexican culture since, we get, you know, crazy-ass cartels, shoot them up, burrito, spicy move, um, 
crazy ass games instead of anything that is even remotely positive. Those were my two. <laughs> well, that's I think that's super interesting because when you think about how the Mexican culture is often portrayed in games, it's I mean, it's it's like you said, shoot 'em up sort of. It's it's not uh, you never really get any depth there. Right. And so I think that's really interesting that that game it's sort of it's sort of weird how some some games when they fir- when we first like the earliest games sometimes are the most um sort of fairly representational and then it mm-hmm. gets so much yeah. worse. I think you're right, yeah. Not all of course, but No, no, but back in the day. You're getting old, that's what we keep telling you. You're getting old. You're going to start saying back in the day a whole lot more. I'll have to get some wrinkle cream. Yeah. Yeah, you need some wrinkle cream. Look into it, yeah. Start taking your prunes, too. (laughs) I mean, I won't go into detail, but... Raisin bran, okay? Raisin bran. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Gotcha. Good. That's what I got. Sarah? (laughs) Uh, We are talking, I think, about the uh indie games or where are we going now because i have talked about indie games how much uh chardonnay have you had there 250 drunk (laughs) (laughs) listen i was engaged in this conversation um no we were talking about our popular games that we picked oh uh okay well uh as cultural moments as cultural moments well i mean I don't, I don't, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know if I had quite situated myself in a particular game per se. You know, yeah. you, you, you know, you had Laura Croft, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, you know, Samantha told her, uh, told us what um, the ones that she had considered. And I, and, I, and I pondered this and I was like, well, what would I, you know, what avatar, quite frankly, can I say has has some sort of transformation over the years. I mean, it has to be a, a particular game that has a certain longevity, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Laura Croft was an excellent choice because I saw her on Steam offered like a million times for these, you know, updated versions. And and I'll be honest with you, it's sort of like, uh, I couldn't quite think, I could not quite think of anything that I was like, I don't know if I can compare it between now and 20 years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, Yeah, that's okay. We no, well, I mean, even my zombie game that I played, my space invaders right. and zombies, you know, I said it reminded me of asteroids, but, um, you know, you, like, you don't see Pac-Man reimagined. You don't see... Yeah, uh, but I think different... Pac-Man means something different now than it did in the 80s. Well, but can you play... You don't really play Pac-Man now. Right? Oh, please. Man. Well, Alice is kind of addicted to the to say Pac-Man what? I like the so championship edition What? The 3D so where you can see him in his terrain? Well, is that, is that... well I like I like the straight up um, and, and all of uh, my friends and uh, husband will definitely corroborate this. Every time I am at a bar, you will not see me sitting at a table. You will see me at the arcade machine because um, I love playing some old school Pac-Man. But um, I've also been super into pa- the Pac-Man Championship Edition, which is where they have it like slow down when you're about to get eaten by a ghost. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I, I think I know exactly what you're talking. about. I don't know about. if culturally that's going to be uh, very fruitful to well, look at. But. No, I, and I guess that was where I got stopped. Where I'm like, well, Pac-Man never. I mean, yeah, it's okay. 
we could argue, but for the most part, he was designed to be non-gendered. Okay, he was meant to be ungendered. Um, got married. Pac-Man. Well, got well, and yeah. they decided they could make money on on this Ms. Pac-Man, and they were very politically correct with that. They didn't call her Mrs. Um, I mean, Laura Croft. I think, like you said, Alex, is probably one of the most interesting sure. ones to chart because, uh, like I said, it's not unlike uh, Barbie. You know, and Samantha said, you know, we played uh, Laura Croft, and we thought, oh wow, this is great. You know, we have a, a female avatar for once. Forget the fact that she has boobs out to you know hear from you know the street lamp i mean like it didn't matter she was female and she was ours um now that we look back much like barbie we say well good lord she's not realistic but i, I saw on steam they had several um uh, uh laura croft games and i did not play i didn't check them out i wanted to because i thought well is she still is endowed i mean is it still ridiculous like it was or have they tempered it I mean, have you guys played any of the latest versions or no? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's still as ridiculous as it was, or? Oh yeah, I mean, I think so. Well, I think I it's mean, worse now that they have better graphics too. <laughs> right, and that's 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 what that's what was one of the one of the jokes that I made when um, I actually got a, a Tomb Raider game for the PS3. I was like, yeah, now I can watch her ass and boobs jiggle in full in oh. full high def. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, right, exactly. so they haven't really learned anything, which which does lead into our uh, listener question in a way, right? Like, That's right. Do we want to do that next? Yeah, I think we should. I think Sam's in charge of this bit. Yeah, give it to the doctor. I'll read. I'll read. We'll answer. <laughs> okay. Um, we got two listener questions. Um, which is two hundred percent more than normal. Yeah, is- excellent. Yeah, good <laughs> well, math. Well. Uh, 100% because we did get one question one other week. That's true. We That's did. True. So send us questions, folks. All right. From Richard Jones. Um, and the first question I think is a, is an interesting one and we'll throw this one out there and we'll see how far that one goes and we may save the, the second one for next time depending because we're running a little long. Mm. Um, yeah, the first one reads, um, Hey, y'all. I uh, kind of I kind of stumbled upon your show by chance and really enjoy hearing your perspective. Yay. I'm going through the archives and listening to them in order. Yay, Richard. Um, <laughs> one thing you mentioned on the show was World of Warcraft and how a lot of the non-human races, the Horde in particular, are um, painted as stereotypical minorities, mm-hmm. something that's been bugging me about the game. I do want to point out, in all fairness at least, that the Horde uh, in the Warcraft universe is not really the bad guys and the Alliance are not really the good guys. So that's true. Isn't that the truth in, in most cases? Mm-hmm. Um, especially huh. if you look at Warcraft 3, where Thrall was probably the most sympathetic character and the Alliance frequently did things that were analogous to racism. Um, though I have to say Dragon Age did the, did the allegory thing a lot better. Um, since you've been talking about Red Dead Redemption, you may have already come covered it, but I was curious as to how you feel about how uh, Nastis and Professor McGonagall, McDougal. Uh, sorry, Mc, McGonagall, God, I'm thinking McDougal, Potter, yeah, yeah, McDougal, mm, uh, Harry Potter. Well, or Jane, right? Jane McGonagall, right? Anyway. Oh yeah, who were uh, introduced in? The, I was thinking Harry Potter, who were introduced in the <laughs> third section of the game, along with the. Uh, portrayal of Native Americans in that game. McDougal is a caricature of 19th century academics who had theories about race and were based on faulty racist assumptions uh, who also 
has a rather severe cocaine addiction. Nast <laughs> uh, is a Native American who has some really funny comments about him. Great question. I mean, it, it brings up some great things. Um, I didn't play Red Dead through to the third section of the game because, you know, I got really pissed off in, early in the game about some things that were going on. But there was definitely some interesting stuff going on with Native American, the portrayal of Native Americans. That's right. Um, even, as, even as early as the opening scene, the opening oh, yeah. cutscenes of the game, right? Yeah. Where you where you hear people talking and some of the things that they're saying is is very much couched in the contemporary rhetoric. Um, you know, the contemporary rhetoric, right, is that of, of religion, the contemporary uh, rhetoric of academics, right? Um, that the crazy shit that people were saying about Native Americans of the time, right? That I mean, it was it was goes back to the kill the Indian, save the man mentality yeah. right. that was used to found the, the Indian schools of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, you know, and I think that that was a pretty interesting and, and one of the reasons that I had such high hopes for the games, you know, and and oh my god, it's like Rockstar has the uncanny ability to take what has serious potential and just totally completely fuck it up. I know. I'm pretty um, pissed off at L.A. Noir too right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, okay. I don't know how far you You're right. Are, you're right. Yeah. They, like, especially that opening scene, like, you mm. can tell they're being really critical of that, uh, of the stuff that, that's being said about Native Americans, right? Because you sort Absolutely. of, like, right? And so, like, so, so they, they are, uh, this goes back to my post from this week, so they're sort of trying to be historically accurate, but at the same time reflect modern um, mm-hmm. values, I guess. And yeah. I think that that has so much potential as opposed to just sort of perpetuating, but then it just all falls apart. <laughs> well, I think what it offers is it, it gives the modern player, modern participant, whatever, this sort of sense of superiority, like, well, hell, I'm better than you. You know, and I don't know if we deserve that. You know, I mean, like, that's what they offer us this peek into history, but they're offering us a peek that's like, well, congratulate yourself because you're not as dicky as that guy. You know what I mean? Hmm. I never thought about it like that. No, I never thought about that way either. I think I think, but it's interesting to think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's kind of for me. It's always been that here's that opportunity for them to say, okay, well, here's how we're going to contextualize this game. Here's how we're supposed to read the actions of right. the people of the people around you, right? The people around you as the protagonist in this game. So you've got the holy rollers over here who think they're coming in to save the savages, even if they have to kill them to do it, because being dead is better than being a savage. And over here, we got these crazy-ass academics who are feeling on people's heads for bumps on their skull to try to figure out, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is, seriously, this is what we got going on, not only with Native Americans, but African Americans at the time, right? You know, who are, you know, and then to throw in, you know, cocaine addiction, to talk about drug addiction, is to talk about the Freuds of time, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of interesting shit that's going on um, and, and that discredits these people. I mean, because the 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 kind of faulty religious re- rhetoric, if you just listen to it, is so ludicrous that you immediately dismiss it. Right. And then it's easier to dismiss the quote unquote academic when you when you attach it to drug addiction um, and mm-hmm. and other kind of interesting faults, mm-hmm. um, like the ridiculousness of feeling around on somebody's skull. <laughs> I mean, 
So, I mean, I think it's really interesting the way that those kinds of things play out in, in, in Red Dead, but then there's in like Red Dead and even the same kinds of things that we see playing out in L.A. Noir because we do see some of those same kinds of things. And there's serious potential, but then they fall back into those old, well, okay, we've played the, we played the intellectual bit up a bit too much. Now we got to make sure we draw our base back in and call women bitches and whores and mm. beat up on women and, you know, well, and, and it- sodomize them and cut them up and do all <laughs> kinds of nasty shit mm. to them because that's, that's what's going to keep our base here. Mm. Well, and right? I think that you, that we've sort of talked about this before it's it's not even necessarily like the main storylines although i think in ellie noir the storylines have some problems but like in red dead you know maybe the, the storyline isn't necessarily the biggest issue what's the it's biggest the issue is the peripheral it. things that happen that are just sort mm-hmm. of normal like mm-hmm. women being raped on the side of the road and people saying i'm gonna cut you a new hole and it's, it's it's normalized which is more dangerous yeah and i think that sort of gets into the question about world of warcraft where obviously you know certainly the 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 portrayals of the of the different um are they called races or or classes no yeah. races um races are they're certainly maybe um maybe some are, are meant to represent minorities and they're certainly not po- pointed out as bad in any way, but I think there's some really disturbing peripheral things that happen in that game, especially around like the Native American um, race and now the New Goblin race, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, not to switch tracks there. Mm-mm. No, I think you know. I think, I think it's a related issue, right? right? Yeah, like, I find yeah. the peripheral stuff far more disturbing. No, I think you're right. I do. I would agree. Right. Then the then the fact that they're necessarily evil, but it's the way that they get characterized in the first place. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the goblins are always like, "Give me money," and it's like, "Well," and they, you know, mm-hmm. and the yeah, yeah, and the Native American stuff sort of taken out of context and given to the Torrens and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I mean that was a I was a. a great question from Richard. I think we could talk about that for hours and hours on end. I know, but we're um, super thank long. Thank you very much. For <laughs> we're super, yeah, we're super long. Thanks for sending that question in, Richard. We're going to save your next, Thanks, your other question for next time so that we don't uh, spend all night sitting here. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, and we'll call that a wrap for our, um, our questions this week, our email questions. Um, and we'll go over our, uh, some of our buys of the week. Deals um, for broadcast gamers. Deal for broke ass gamers. <clears throat> um, there were a couple of things. Um, for example, on Steam this week, there's it's seventy five percent off everything Borderlands. Uh, for example, the original Borderlands is like four ninety nine. Uh, the Game of the Year edition, I think, is like seven ninety nine. Um, another deal that I that I think is a deal deal for broke ass gamers, just because of the amount of bang you get for your buck, mm-hmm. would be Bastion. For fourteen ninety nine, um, mm-hmm. even though it's not on sale, that's not a sale. I think it's still a good buy. Um, I've heard multiple they, places. I'm not mm-hmm. heard. I've seen multiple people write that it was the best fifteen dollars they've ever spent on a game. Mm. I think so. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of the best fifteen bucks I ever spent on a game. Mm. I think it's the best game I've ever bought off XBLA, mm. um, and the game I probably spent more time playing on XBLA. Right. Um, and uh, Steam also has 66% off all Serious Sam titles um, this week, so their entire Serious Sam catalog. Um, and then uh, Amazon, of course, to celebrate the $50 price drop on the PS3 this week, 
they're running a sale on a pretty large, uh, pretty large selection of PS3 games. Um, there's there's older stuff. There's brand new stuff. I nice. uh, and there's stuff where you can get like the entire trilogy of certain games for like twenty bucks. So if you've got a PS3 or interested in buying one, I think you should definitely go and check it out. And of course, there is um, we talked about it before, but it finally came into being. The uh, price drop of the of the Nintendo 3DS has hit, um, mm-hmm. so run out and buy one of those if you haven't already. And when you pick that up, definitely pick up a copy of Zelda, um, uh, the 3DS version of Zelda. And there's lots of interesting stuff coming down the pipeline, like new Mario games. And for some strange reason, something else. And I, like I said before, this is a game that's given me a chance to play a lot of the Nintendo games that I never played before because I was never a Nintendo kind of fangirl and never really got into them. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Harvest Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Harvest Moon. I was totally and completely addicted to Animal Crossing on my DS. Um, and I thought I was going to like lose my mind when it was supposed to come out for the Wii. Mm-hmm. And I swear, I put that, I put that disc in my Wii once. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I really want to play Harvest Moon cause I'm jonesing for a new Animal Crossing type Harvest game. I Harvest Moon on PS2 and it was awesome. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. So those are our deals for broke ass gamers. Um, so, and I guess that's going to be about it for us for this Huzzah. week's folks. Huzzah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, I, as, I say, as I've said before, and I'll say again, please feel free to um, send us questions or comments. Tell us we're full of shit. Tell us how much you love us. <laughs> Ask us questions. I'm sort of um, sensitive, though, so don't say that I'm full of shit, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to say then, Alex? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Send us an email at nymgamer at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at nymgamer.com uh, or like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash nymgamer. Um, I think that's about it. Those are the only ways to get in contact with us. Right. Um, or check us out at nymgamer.com. Um, and you can. Uh, um, I guess you can contact us each individually. So you can tell us, you can tell Sarah and I we're full of shit, but not tell. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we can handle it. You know, or friend us on PSN or XBLA. Our or gamer things are up on the site. Our gamer tags are up on the site. Please yeah. feel free to use them. Absolutely. Um, Alex has no friends. <clears throat> uh, I have one friend. <laughs> and that's me. And that's, that's me. <laughs> I don't care. All I do is play Call of Duty on there. I don't need friends. Screw (laughs) everybody. Sorry. Now I'm definitely finishing that wine. I know. There you go. So feel free to just feel free to to contact us in whatever way you see fit. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely post something somewhere about what we're going to talk about la- next time because we didn't decide before we started talking. Um, we were too excited to get started. Um, (laughs) So until next time, um, stay safe, have fun, game on. Bye. Bye. Bye.